So the psalmist is looking and seeing the wicked, the ungodly, those that are unsaved, those that are prospering. You know, he says, my feet nigh slipped when I saw the prosperity, when I saw... You know, as you look down through these verses, you'll see that, you know, right up to death, it seems like they're doing well. It looks like even when death comes, there is still great strength. They rail against what is right. They glory in their wickedness, in their untruthfulness, in their gain by cheating. And the psalmist looks and, you know, it just, it just about throws him. I'm going to pick up reading in verse number 13. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Surely thou didst sit them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought unto desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one waketh, so, O Lord, when thou wakest, thou shalt despise their image. My heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant I was as a beast before thee. I'll stop there. He's gonna he's gonna gain his his understanding. He's gonna come back in the latter verses to thank God for his trust that he's put in the Lord and that the Lord is with him. But I would like to deal with these few verses here for just a few minutes. And you know, I, I would say this we don't have to be in wickedness. We don't have to be in corrupt money-making. We don't have to be cursors to be wicked in the sight of God. All you have to be is unsaved. That's all. You might not think that Nicodemus could have been called wicked. But without salvation, even a most upright man in morality could be called wicked. So if I go from a most upright and moral to one who is blasphemous, one who is corrupt, one who rails against God, 
one whose mouth is full of cursing and ungodliness. How wicked am I there? So the psalmist says in verse number 13, as he's thinking on this, as he's thinking on it in uh, verse number 16, he said it was too painful. It, it, It was a great toll to me. I just could not understand how God could allow this. I just couldn't understand how I was chastened every day, how that God disciplined me, how that God had a reign on me, how that God didn't allow me to do like they do. It, it, it was just beyond my comprehension. It was hard for me to understand how that God could allow this. He was looking at it with a natural eye. He was looking at it for today. He was looking and He was seeing them prosper today. He wasn't looking past today. You know, Job's wife said, why don't you curse God and die? Why don't you just curse God and die? His friend said, Job, why don't you repent and get right with God and God will take this off of you? What were they looking at? They were looking with a natural eye, weren't they? You know, man thinks that if everything's going great today, I, 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 believe, I believe Paul addressed it to Timothy, that people think that gain is godliness. We're living in a world like that today more and more so all the time. That if you're blessed with the riches and the things of this world, you've got insurance, you've got a home, you've got a place to live, you've got halfway decent health, your family is doing okay, there's nobody uh, uh, dealing with cancer today in your family, we're blessed of God. Are we saved? Are we born again? Have our sins been forgiven? The, 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 the psalmist says here, Verse number 13, Surely, truly, surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocently. All day long, all day long, Lord, You've struck me. You've plagued me. Lord, You've disciplined me. All day long, Lord, You've brought trouble my way. You've brought Your hand and Your rod of correction. And Lord, You've chastened me and You've disciplined me. And God, I look out and I see all of the wicked and I see people that are unsaved and people that have no regard for God. I see them prospering. Lord, it's just more than my mind can take in. It's a great trouble to me. If I say I will speak thus... Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. What's he saying here? I tell you what, I believe he's, I believe he's considering it. He'd like to say something, but you know what? There's something on the inside. I believe there's something on the inside that said, hold your peace. There's something on the inside that says, you've not seen the whole picture. There's something on the inside that says this, You're going to open your mouth in ignorance. He realizes it later. He said, I was a beast. I was just like an ignorant beast. 
And I was just about to open my mouth and maybe, maybe it could be, maybe it could be the grace of God, maybe it could be God by His Holy Spirit uh, speaking and said, hold your peace. You're not seeing the whole picture. And know this, folks, every one of us here, if we talk like Job's wife, if we uh, 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 glorify the wicked, if we glorify the ungodly, if we glorify them and we question God, know this, you're going to cause somebody to fall. That's what he says. Look, look what he says. If I should say I'll speak thus, behold, I should offend. You know what the Lord said? He said, offenses shall come, but woe unto that man by whom they come. We ought to be careful and we need to be careful because I'll tell you this, you can look at the wicked and they may be prospering today. And I'll tell you tomorrow, they may be cut down like the grass. Chris said he had mowed hay. It may have been green this morning. When he goes back tomorrow or the next day to kick it or to rake it, I tell you what, the green will be gone. And that's the way that it is with the wicked. That's the way that it is with the unsaved. That's, and again, I say this, you don't have to be what the world would call wicked uh, to be wicked in the eyes of God. You know, there was a man that the Lord gave great, great forgiveness to. And that man went out and had a man that owed him just some little bit. And you know what he did? He put his hands around his throat and threw him in prison and said, I'm not turning you loose. I'm not letting loose of you. And you pay me everything that you owe. You know what the Lord said about that man? That man had no compassion. That man had no, uh, uh, no realization of what God had done for, for him. He said, you're a wicked, slothful servant. As we look around today and we see the wicked and we see the moral and we see the unsaved and we see those that are not born again, we see those that have no desire for the things of God, we see those that seem to be prospering. Know this, friend, it's just temporary. And don't open your mouth and glorify them. Don't you glorify them. You're going to cause someone to question God. The psalmist said, I, I don't believe that he ever said to the children, to the young generation, I don't believe he ever said. He wrote it down for us to read it. But in his mind, he thought, you know, I've served God in vain. I've cleansed my hands, and what's it profited me? Don't we think that? Don't we think that? We see the wicked getting along just fine. We see their bank accounts blooming. We see them prospering. And you know, it seems as though God's got a chain on us and God's got a rain on us and God says, no, you can't do that. And we see they did that and look, what, look, look how God blessed them. You've not seen their end. You've not seen the end. As we look with a natural eye and with a natural mind, I tell you, the devil, he likes to blow up the prosperity of the world. But know this, 
that Moses said he'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the riches and enjoy all that Egypt had to have for a season. Know this, friend, that the prosperity of the wicked is very short and it's seasonal. Listen, I believe he's saying this, for if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. No, true. Don't do that. Don't do that. Know this. What you're going to say is going to be a it, it's going to be a farce. It's not going to be true. Because you're going to glorify the wicked. You're going to glorify the ungodly. You're going to tell the children it's in vain to serve God. It's not worth it to serve God. They've got more than you. They've got more than me. And I'm serving God. I tell you, you talk about a stumbling block. What a stumbling block for our children. What a stumbling block for the young. What a stumbling block for those. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're 50 or 60 or 10 or 15. If, if you're not grown, I tell you, here is someone that went down to the sanctuary, someone that had cleansed their hands, someone who had served God, and you know, here they were, they was about to get thrown for a loop. Be careful. Don't be an offender. Don't cause someone to fall. That's, that's what that word means. It means to cause to trip or to cause to fall, cause to stumble. You know, if I said this, if I said I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency, it's, it, it, it's just in vain to serve God. Job's wife, why don't, you, why don't you curse God and die? It's vain. The devil said, would Job serve God for naught? Let me remind you of this Scripture. James said this, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and you have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. If you just read the first five or ten chapters of Job, you would think, you know, God's just not fair, is He? I'll say this. Thank God that He's not fair. Thank God I have not gotten justice. Thank God I have not got what I deserve. Thank God I have not got what I earned. Thank God I have not got what I have worked out. Because if I had got what I worked out, I would have lifted my eyes in hell a long, long time ago. I would have gotten the justice of God and in hell I would have lifted my eyes. But you know what? We do count them. We do count them blessed. 
We do count them. We count them great. We count them uh, uh, wonderful that endure. Look at the patience of Job. Look at the long-suffering of God. Look how God was merciful. Look how God was of tender mercy. Look how God blessed Job in the end. I'm not saying that all that every one of us are going to have double what we had. I'm not going to say that we're not going to have any trouble. I'm saying this, don't envy the wicked. Don't envy those that are prosperous that don't know God. You've got the greatest gift and the greatest friend and the greatest Savior and the greatest eternity that can ever be given if you're saved. But he is about to speak. And he said, if I should offend against the generation, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cause people to doubt God. We're going to cause people to doubt the goodness of God. We're we're going to make people question whether it's worth it to be down at the house of God or not. You know, I hear this all the time. I can live just as good at the house. Can you? Have you got any Bible to back that up? Have you got any Bible? What is it that you're getting at the house or at the ball game or at the workplace or at all the other things of this world to prosper this flesh? What is it we're getting there that we're, we're missing down at the house of God? I tell you, friend, here is a revelation to this man. This man got a revelation down at the house of God. This man got the truth down at the house of God. This man, uh, friend, I don't believe that this man ever looked at the prosperity of the wicked ever like he looked at it before. After the day that he went down to the house of God, I don't believe that he ever looked at it like that again. I don't believe that he ever looked at prosperity the same again. I believe that when he went down to the house of God, he had a new revelation of what real prosperity was. You know, we ought to be able to rejoice in the Lord. (laughs) Rejoice not because the devils are subject to you. Rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. (laughs) That's what we ought to rejoice in. You know, if I, if I make somebody doubt, if I hurt the weak, if I cause the weak to stumble, if I, in my lifestyle, in my actions, if I cause my family, my children, my wife, my brothers, my sisters to stumble at the dedication and the consecration to God, I tell you what I am, I'm an offense unto them. I'm an offense and I am a stumbling block to the young. Listen, listen to what he said. To the generation of thy children. Which is more important? More of the riches of this world or have the riches of God in your life? You know, I I believe in the Proverbs, I believe that God can add riches without sorrow. You ponder on that. What a verse that is. He can make rich. Maybe that's the way he says it. He maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. You know, I can I, I, I believe I believe today 
We're living in such a time that if you want to be rich, if that's your goal, I believe you can do it. I believe if you'll put forth the effort that you can do it. But I ask you this, what sorrow will come with it? What will we lose in the things of God? What will we lose when we cause our sons and our daughters and our family and our friends to stumble? Will, will having the riches of this world come with such sorrow? You know, I, I believe this. I believe there's a lot of folks that's got a lot of regrets. You know, when the church can enjoy the goodness of God and I can't enjoy it, I ought to ask myself, why am I, why am I not enjoying this? What, what is keeping me from enjoying the goodness of God? Oh, he said, I say I will speak thus, behold... I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful. I just couldn't understand it. I, could, I, I, I couldn't, I just could not, I couldn't make the equation come out. And you remember in algebra how you've got those on either side of the equal and you've got to make them come out? I tell you, he couldn't make it come out. He just couldn't figure out how that it could be equal that God's people are suffering and God's people are under chastisement and God's people are disciplined and the wicked have no bounds and have no chains and they're there and they have their strength and all the way up to death they're in pride and they're gloating. I just don't understand how this can be equal now. Oh, but he said, I went down to the house of God. I went down to the house of God until I went to the sanctuary. It's too painful for me. I just couldn't understand it until I went down to the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Whose end? There's somebody else besides the wicked, though, isn't he? See, he was comparing his side to the wicked. But when he went down there, I believe he saw both. I don't believe he just saw the end of the wicked. He's going to see that for about four or five verses. But then he's going to rejoice in what God's done for him. I tell you something, folks. This is not all just judgment for the wicked, but there's blessings for the people of God. Not only is there judgment and there's a day of judgment coming for the wicked, but I tell you, I went down to the sanctuary and I understood my end. I went down to the sanctuary and saw, praise God, it's worth it. I went down to the sanctuary and I could say, thank you, Lord, you didn't allow me to go down that road. Thank you, Lord, that you wouldn't allow me to do that. Thank you, God, I'd rather have you than have the riches of this world. I'd rather have you and your presence and your spirit and your power and you as a friend and you as a Savior. I'd rather have you as, as my interceder, you as my propitiation than to have the riches of this world. God, i got to see both of them down at the house of God. Oh, there's nothing down there that interests me. We'll know this. 
he saw their end. Both. I don't know if we'll get to both tonight, but I want to look. I want to look at the unsaved. Until I went into the sanctuary, then understood I it all come together, didn't it? There was an understanding. Then understood I their end. Then understood I their end. Surely, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Lord, I went down and you know, Lord under prayer, God under meditating on Your Word, under the preaching of Your Word, God under the revelation of Your Word, I understood the end. God, I understood the end of the wicked, and I understood the end of the godly. I understood, oh God, I, I, I put it all together, and Lord, it wasn't me that put it together, but it was You through Your Word and by Your Spirit. It wasn't my natural eye that perceived it, but oh God, it was Your Word that was revealed in my heart, and I saw the end of the wicked, and oh God, I looked and I saw how that they were up high. I saw God how they were prideful. I saw how they were raised above me. I saw, God, how they had more. But oh God, when I looked where they were, I saw that You had set them in slippery places, oh God. The higher we are, the farther we fall, don't we? You know, I might fall off of here. I might fall off of here and break my ankle. might break my wrist. You know, I might fall off of the top up here, break my neck or break my back. <coughs> These people are, they're high. They're high right now. But I'll tell you this, friend. You may be up there walking a little four-inch beam hanging right out of a hill. And isn't it something that God set them there? God placed them there. God set them in slippery places. Though they're high, and though everybody's looking at them, and though everybody's admiring them, and though everybody's being so awed by them, and I'll tell you this, friend, just one little step and you can plunge off into hell. One little step by Almighty God. Our friend, you know what? Our friend, one little step, you and I, who's ordering our step? Who is in control of the terrain we're on? Who has laid out the course? Who has put out the race course for us? I tell you, God set them in slippery places. No, they may be high, though your eye may be drawn to them, though they may look prideful, though they may be boasters. I tell you this, God has set them in slippery places. And friend, know this today. A friend, right out over the brink of hell, a man is walking down Day after day after day after day, when you're unsaved, I tell you where you are. You're working on walking on the brink of hell every day. We don't have to go to the Empire State Building. How would you like to be as high as the roof is of the church? And walking a four-inch beam with ice on it. How about walking an eight-inch beam with ice on it? How about a twelve-inch beam with ice on it? I tell you, God, 
has set the unsaved in slippery places. And friend, at any moment, know this, know this, their end. Their end in leaving this world is to end up in hell. Their end, friend, when they fall from their highs, when they fall from their glory, when they fall from their riches, when they fall from that place that God, God's allowed them. God has allowed them to be there. God has allowed them to prosper in this world. And you know what? I friend, by the prosperity of the world and by the prosperity and the riches of this world, man never thinks about God. I tell you what man thinks about God when he's down low, when he's down in the valley, when he's dragging his tracks out. I tell you that's what man thinks about God. When everything's going wrong, when trouble is on every side, but when man gets to climbing and man gets exalted and man gets lifted up, he never thinks about God. Know this, God has set you in slippery places. Hanging right out over hell. Your next step your next breath could be taken in the fires of hell. Surely, surely, certainty. Know this, certainty. Without any question, God has placed them there. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places you know something? Their glory and their honor and their height, all of that is seasonal. All of that is short-lived. All of, I tell you what, can you imagine this? Can you imagine that you're up there on the icy beam walking out over hell and you have to sneeze? In hell, you'll lift your eyes. Surely, surely, Lord, you have set them there. Surely, Lord, you have set them in places where there's no solid foundation. Lord, you set them in a place where at any moment of any time, of any day or any night, then they plunge off into hell. And God, it's you that placed them there. So for us, for the church, should that concern us? Should that concern us? Should we beg God to be merciful? Should we beg God to bring them down to the house of God? Should we speak to them about their end? Should we speak to them about the mercy of God that's allowed them to live thus far? Should we speak to them about what God has done for us? Should we speak to them because, see, they don't know they're in slippery places. We do. We do. We know that any moment, one breath, surely, Lord, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. 
Listen to, and thou castest, do you see this? Thou cast, who's got the power over them? Who's got the authority? Is God angry with the wicked every day? I tell you what God is in the next in the next verse in verse number 19 how are they brought unto desolation as in a moment you know what you talk about mercy God's been long suffering and merciful we could have long long ago plunged off into hell we could have a long time ago lost our footing and went right over into hell uh, but you know God's been long suffering God but but I tell you what the word of God says this thou surely thou didst set them in slippery places thou castest them down unto destruction who's going to be the end of them the same one that's going to be my Savior is going to be the one that's going to destroy them. You're unsaved tonight. The same one that can save you is the one that will cast you into utter destruction. It says that in the next verse. Utter desolations or utter destruction. Complete. Listen, folks. He's not talking about losing your riches. That might be one thing, and that might drive you crazy, and that may make you drag your tracks out, and that make you... i tell you what that'll do. That'll drive you to God if there's any God in you. But I'll say this, He's not talking about that because He said they had great strength all the way down to death. He's talking about an end that's beyond the graveyard. He's talking about an end that's beyond falling down from our great place of exaltation. He's talking about an end that ends up in the bottomless. Let me ask you this. How far can you fall into the bottomless pit? Where are we going? Farther and farther into the region of the damned. Farther and farther into darkness. Darker and darker and darker. Our friend, just think, how far down can we go? There's no end. There is no end to hell. There is no end to the darkness. There is no end to the depths and the distance. How to be away from God. But God has been merciful and long-suffering to you thus far. But thou, thou castest them down unto destruction. So, no question. Who's going to do this? God is. God is. Listen to what he said in Psalm number 39. 39 and verse number 6, the psalmist writes this, and he said, Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. You know what man is? Listen to these words. Surely every man walketh, 39.6 in the book of Psalms, and a vain shoe. Surely they are disquieted. So that vain shoe means a shadow or, or an illusion. And that are disquieted means a loud clamor. You know what? A man is really glorifying himself today. But let me tell you, friend, man will be just as loud in hell and louder, but I tell you, it'll be a different ring. It won't be loud and glorious about me. It won't be loud and clamorous about how big and how great and how mighty and how tall and how prideful and how much I've got. I tell you what it'll be. It'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A friend that'll turn 
turn. Oh my God, you talk about a cringe. Oh friend, the fingernails on the chalkboard won't be anything until the screams out of hell because man will not turn to God. God will turn him into hell. Preacher, you're talking to the saved. Not everybody's saved. Not everybody's saved. Man's in a loud clamor. You know what he is? He's just like Joseph preached at Virginia's funeral. He's just like Matthew mentioned at the funeral. He's just like I mentioned at the funeral. Or as grass. Or as a vapor. Or as a shadow. And I'll tell you something, friend. A shadow leaves no marks. When you're gone to hell, there'll be no marks left of you. When you're gone to hell and you're away from God and you lift your eyes in the region of the damned, it'll be just like a shadow. It'll never touch this man. It'll never touch this lady. It'll never touch your children. I tell you what, there'll be nothing. Just a vain shoe. An illusion. Man thinks he's really something. You know what the problem is? You've never heard what the Word of God said. <laughs> I tell you, I am nothing. If the Lord Jesus in Psalm 22 said He was a worm, what am I? What am I? Made out of the dust of the ground. I tell you, if there's anything good about you at all, it's because God gave it to you. There's nothing else. There's no good in any of us. There's none good. No, not one. There's none seeking after God. There's none that desireth God. I tell you, friend, if there's anything good at all in any one of us, it's because God put it there. And man without God is less than a worm. Surely thou hast set them in slippery places. Listen if I can find it right quickly. In Joel, the book of Joel, give me just a second. The book of Joel, chapter number 1 and verse number 15. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. You want to meet God? No, you don't want to meet God. First, second Thessalonians, he says it like this. It's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. You know, this, the psalmist was quite troubled by the wicked, wasn't he? Do you know what the Lord said about the wicked? Them that trouble you. To you who are troubled, psalmist, church member, saved man, saved woman, you who are troubled when you look at the prosperity of the wicked, 
rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. You talk about an end. An everlasting. How long does this destruction last? If He has loved us with an everlasting love, what is an everlasting destruction? There's never going to be an end to the ruin. Never going to be an end to the terror. Never going to... Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Oh, I would that you could be persuaded today, not by me, but by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit and by your own conscience and by the uh, by God working in you. I would that you would be persuaded today uh, that you would be saved, uh, that you would yield yourself unto God, that you would realize that you need a Savior, that you could come down. I'll tell you this, friend, just like Naaman went down... Then went he down, I tell you, you'll have to come down, and I will, and the only hope that there is is that the Lord Jesus Christ would have mercy upon us. Because of the blessings of this world, man has got his head stuck up in the air and can't even see God. Verse 19, How are they brought unto desolation as in a moment... How are they brought into desolation in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. How are they brought into desolation? The word means they're an astonishing waste. How is it, Lord? How is it that they're brought down? Listen. How is it that they're brought down as in a moment? You know what's going to happen? There's going to be no preparation. Oh, I'm going to get right with God one day. I'm really going to get saved one day. One day, I believe I'm going to have what that person and that lady and that gentleman, I'm going to have what they've got. I'll tell you, friend, if you don't get it today, a friend, in a moment, suddenly, quickly, surely, by the Word of God, desolations are going to come. Oh, Lord. Lord, how... How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? Lord, an astonishing waste in a suddenly, quickly, they are utterly, completely consumed with terror. My God, you know what He said about the rich men in hell? Friend, torments, plural, torments, the misery, the sorrow, The pain, the weeping, the gnashing, the blackness, the solitariness. Oh, preacher, I'm going to be there with others. No. 
No, you may hear others screaming. You may be hearing others weeping and gnashing teeth. You may be eaten on. You may be bit on. Uh, you may be suffering in that manner. But I'll tell you what, there's going to be terror there. And there's going to be terrors there. There's going to be misery there. There's going to be torments there. And it's going to come suddenly and quickly. And a desolation, it's going to be astonishing what terrible desolation what terrible terror my God what terror how to come to face God how to face a God who is a consuming fire a God whose wrath shall kindle hell and man in all of his pride refuses to humble himself and come and beg God to save him You know what Abraham said to the rich man? Remember. Remember. Remember the Word of God. Remember Psalm 73. Remember you've been warned. Remember that I told you not to come to this awful place. Remember you're going to have a conscience. Remember that you're going to have ears. Remember you're going to have eyes. Remember you're going to have hands. Remember you're going to have a tongue. Remember the fires of hell are going to be a torment. And it's going to be torments, plural. Their worms shall never die. He saw their end. Don't be thrown. Don't be thrown today by the prosperity, by the health, by the money, by the mockery, lots of mocking, at the church today. Don't rejoice that the devils are subject to you. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Know this, destruction's coming. Suddenly, quickly, completely. There'll not be an end of it. Notice, notice what the book says. The book says, how are they brought unto desolations in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terror. Surely thou didst sit them into slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. Oh, I'll tell you what's going to happen. A complete, a complete destruction. A complete misery. Complete torment. To torment every faculty of man that is spiritually, however it may be that we're going out to meet God. Know this, that the people that are saved and born again, we're going to have a body like unto the Son of God. I don't know what you think or what you believe. And you may say, well, it's all spiritual. You can think that however you want to. Uh, But I'll tell you this, friend, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a change. You think there'll be a body given for those in hell? Will there be a body given? I mean, if the rich man is going to remember, if their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched, what's man going to remember? 
Reckon we're going to remember the opportunity. Reckon we're going to remember that little tug in our heart. Reckon we're going to remember that doubt and that question of whether we're really saved or not. Reckon we're going to remember that we never would come down. Reckon we're going to remember how that we walked on the high places. I don't believe you'll remember walking on the high places. I believe you'll remember the falls. I believe what you'll be able to remember is the fall. You might think this is silly, but I dreamed last night I was working for a contractor and I was going to some switch gear and I was crawling through a tunnel and it was getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And I woke up and my heart was racing. You know what I remembered? I remember crawling right up through here and taking a hammer and digging out from under these beams to get over in here. Like he could have fell on me. But when I woke up, I was well. When I was woken up, it was just a dream. Just a dream. You know what your prosperity is going to be like? Listen to what the psalmist said. As a dream. Now ain't that something that God, I just thought about it, but isn't it something that God let me dream that at 3.30 this morning? As a dream, when one waketh, so, O Lord, when thou wakest, thou shalt despise their image. So we could look at this two ways. We could look and we could think, they, they made fun. They said, why should I consider God? And they say, how doth God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? I tell you what, God's going to awake one day. You may think He's asleep. That's our perception. You know what we're in? We're in a dream. We're in an illusion. We think that everything's going to continue on just as it always has. But let me remind you of this, friend, that you're living in a world of illusions. You're living in a world of prosperity. And know this, the psalmist saw the end of it. And you know what it looked like? It looked like it was just a dream. It looks like that God's asleep and nothing is going to ever happen. But I tell you, God's going to wake up one day and He's going to despise your image. If God was to despise our image, let's, let's, let's get a natural picture. Here comes Esther down the aisle to see King Ahasuerus. If he despised her, all he had to do was turn his head, wasn't it? And they would have killed her in the king's court. You know what Solomon said? He said, go up there to the Lord's house. He's a hold of the altar. He's got his hands. He's holding on to the horns of the altar. Who was that? 
You remember? Joab, wasn't it? Is that right? Solomon said, go follow on him. Where did he die? Right there in the house of God holding on to the horns of the altar. I tell you this, friend. Unless you're holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ, let me just rephrase that. Unless He's got you in His hand, unless you are His and He's yours and He lives in your heart, there's no hope. You are living in an illusion. As a dream, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 29, listen to these words. Isaiah... Isaiah chapter 29 and verse number 8. It shall even be as when a man, uh, when a hungry man dreameth, and behold, he eateth, but he awaketh and his soul is empty. That's the way man is in this world. <laughs> he thinks, Chris, because he's getting to eat all of the goodness that God's putting on the table in this world, he's really doing well. But you know something? When we die... There's the real awakening, isn't it? When we draw our last breath in this world, you talk about an awakening. It's like a man that was hungry and he dreamed that he ate. And behold, he eateth, but he awaketh and his soul is empty. As when a thirsty man drinketh, uh, dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he waketh, and behold, he is faint. My God, we're going to come to the place. You know what we're going to be? We're going to be empty on the inside. The inside of your soul is going to be empty. No Jesus. No salvation. No forgiveness. I went down to the sanctuary and I saw their end. As a dream when one waketh so... O Lord, when Thou wakest, Thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast. I had no spiritual insight, no perception of what the end was. But I went down to the house of God, and I saw the end. You can read the rest of the chapter and you can see the goodness of God to them that know Him.